we're like doing time in this dark thing that will ultimately hopefully make us more empathetic and more able to relate to people in nuanced ways. Welcome back. You're listening to Let It Out. I'm your host, Katie Dalebout. I've been hosting this podcast for a million years, and it's usually these long-form conversations with people. But I like to switch up the format a little bit now that I've done like 300 of these. And this episode is one of those times. It's kind of an, an offshoot from just a pure one-time conversation, and it's going to cut between a topical conversation that I had with Emily, who's here with me, and I a couple weeks ago, and the conversation that we're about to have now. So I'm here with Emily Rousseau, who's the author of two books of personal essays and a talented astrologer who combines ancient wisdom and modern astrology and tarot and creative praxis. What is creative praxis, Emily? Praxis to me, it's action. So I like to give my clients creative ways to take what we've talked about in session into the world. I find that I work with a lot of artists and creative people. And so I try to sort of expand the space of astrology into their own practices. And we've been talking about that a lot. I think with you and just like in my own life, I've been thinking so much about like, I'm so self-aware. I feel like I have all this information between human design and astrology and therapy and recording these conversations on the podcast that I feel almost stifled by how aware I am and just wanting to take action. So I think that that's great that that's like built into your bio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. Yeah. So Emily also has a podcast and she had me as a guest on her podcast a couple months ago. And then she gifted me an astrology session, which was so wonderful. And she alluded to my Saturn return a couple times in that session, I think, if I remember correctly. And then we ended up doing a follow-up session that was pretty specific to Saturn returns. But we also talk about North and South nodes in astrology, which you'll hear about. And change and transitions. And I really loved that conversation. And so we recorded it and you're going to hear that coming up later on this show. But I thought I would have Emily on to like learn a bit more about her and just, I wanted to chat with you more. So thank you for being here. You're in the middle of your book tour and you're in LA and it's like 6am where you are. (laughs) So how are you feeling today? How are you feeling about like putting a new creative project out in the world, being on book tour. What's going on with you? Yeah, uh, I'm so happy to be here at 6am LA time. Yeah, Katie and I were just talking about how when I'm in LA, I get up at like 4.30am like crazy person because those are like my best work hours. But I'm feeling good. I'm feeling... It's always a strange transition moving from like that really internal space to like giving readings and uh, having people actually hold your book and read it. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. It's a very different energy and paradigm shift, but I love it. I like kind of feel like I've come out of my hermit shell a little bit. And I feel like the the writing of a book is really Saturnian in a lot of ways. (laughs) 
and then I get to kind of talk about it. And so it's a nice kind of like expansion and contraction. But yeah, I mean, I think in the episode portion where we talk about the Saturn returns, I think at one point you asked me what I was doing during my Saturn return. And it's just, I'm just realizing now that like, oh, of course I was working on this book. (laughs) And people will learn what it means to be Saturian later in this episode, but basically, and you can kind of see, you can correct me here to see if I listened clearly in our last conversation, but basically it's, it's kind of a dark energy. It's kind of an energy of being more internal. I mean, you can figure it out from context clues, I think from what Emily just said, but for me, I'm in the smack dab middle of mine and you'll hear about that at length in this episode. But it's funny that you say that because as you were talking about how the energy between being a, a hermit and inside and creating a creative project and then the contrast between sharing that and putting it into the world and being around people and the opposite of being a hermit i feel like i haven't really vacillated between the two in big chunks like most people do i feel like i've been halfway in halfway out especially since I've been in New York, I think I was kind of always in the Satyrian alone hermitness when I lived in Michigan for the most part. But since I've moved here, and especially in the last year, I've been feeling the pull of being Satyrian and working on a creative project and being really inward. But I've been taking meetings with people and not wanting to be alone and, and spending all of this time you know, doing events and parties and live podcasts and boom, 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 boom. And I have five events in December, which I'll need to tell everyone listening about so you can come and Emily too. But anyway, the point is that I think it's really lovely to, I'm going to just hearing you now, I'm going to make a reframe and switch to being like internal and a writing year to external and a promotion year for lack of a better thing. But I think, you know, and you have this too, like having a podcast and being a, social extroverted person, it can be hard to to find that balance. But if I'm craving time to make things and it's making me feel better and I'm feeling kind of behind and stunted all the time, it clearly I need to make a shift. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really well said. I mean, also, I definitely have the same thing. Like, like right now, for instance, I'm working on a novel and I've been in that like very honed in Saturn mode for a while, like years with that. And then but it's like work, you know, work is such that I have to be podcasting with people and also be out in the world giving readings and talking about my work and being social. So it is like that negotiation on the day to day scale. It's not, it would be kind of nice if it was always like year to year, but I'm feeling it for the hour scale. Like I'll work between the hours of 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. and then, and then have to hop on a podcast or read from my book or whatever it is. So yeah, I mean, I think that's just kind of the nature of being human, but it's not easy to negotiate sometimes. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you said that. You took me off the hook of like, it's okay that I'm not just working on a creative project. <laughs> like, there, Yeah. There, life, life happens. And you can do it in between the day. You know, that's, that's so smart because we were talking before we started recording about how you wake up so early and get your writing in and I've gone through periods of my life, like when I was writing my book or making my podcasting course, where like I would do that really early before work. And then because I got those hours in of writing, I could do whatever I wanted the rest of the day because I felt like I put in my time, you know? And 
anyway, you're just really inspiring me that I want to go back to that. And I said this to you earlier, but Elizabeth Gilbert always says, who are you giving your best hours to? You know, if you know that you're best in the morning, you should be writing then. If you know you're best later in the day, that's when you should be doing it. Anyway, I think this is interesting to have the self-awareness in yourself and then decide what you want to do with it. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, I'm just a more pleasant person when I get to do my work and <laughs> yeah, focused. And then Same. I can, yeah. 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 Okay. So this episode is coming out on Thursday of this week. Let's shift gears and talk about astrology a little bit. Can you tell us what's going on in the sky today, the day this is coming out or this week? Is that anything we should know about? This week, I mean, you know, Mercury has just entered retrograde, as many of many of you guys know. And I'm actually teaching a course on how to work with the energy of Mercury, which is really the energy of writing and also astrology. So yeah, Mercury retrograde will feel differently for everyone, depending on the placement of Mercury in their charts and and what house Scorpio rules, because we're in Scorpio season. So it's a little bit of a darker energy in the sense that we're like kind of being called to go into the spaces that perhaps we haven't gone to in a while and old feelings, old emotions are coming up. The emotions that we store in our body that we tend to forget about, those are kind of being brought to the surface right now. And issues of power and control and perhaps like romantic jealousy, you know, Scorpio likes to go deep and dark. And that's the main thing that we're dealing with right now. The middle of the month is bringing the full moon, and that should be like a really nice reset. And November 11th is kind of a really lovely auspicious day because Mercury will be conjunct Saturn. Sorry, not Saturn, the sun. Mercury will kind of be infused with this solar energy and perhaps a little energized and a little bit of a lighter, more prolific feel. Mercury in Scorpio is a little bit more nonverbal, and Mercury really likes to be communicating and and quickly moving. And so it's been a little bit slower lately. Deep and dark. I like that. Maybe that's the episode title. And 1111 is a better day. That's what I that's what I wrote down. <laughs> yeah, it's going to feel like a little boost. And then also another little boost, November 24th, we're having a, a really beautiful expansive Jupiter transit. Mm. Um so that'll feel really nice, but I always tell people to to surrender to it. I, I think, think the, the most frequently asked question I get is like, okay, well, how do I work with that energy? And I think we talked a little bit about this in the episode. Part of it is just like bringing your consciousness to it and almost volunteering for it. And when we seek to know more about the planets, they will reveal themselves to us in, in more deep, and true ways. And it's a relationship, like any relationship. So it's not just like, how can we work with it and transmute it? It's also like, what can we learn from them? And how can we get curious about their prerogatives? Yeah. We have some questions that I want to get to that people submitted and we'll do that after the break. But first I have a question for you. How did you get into astrology in particular? We talk in the episode a little bit about your parents and that they're creative and so open but weren't necessarily into astrology when you're young. And you're this very talented, prolific writer. Your second book just came out. You're on book tour for it. How did astrology come into the fold of your creative practice? (laughs) Good question. I think that my writing has always been serving this need that I have to occupy spaces that are 
otherwise inaccessible, sort of like middle spaces or hybrid spaces or spaces at the edge of consciousness. And I just found that astrology embodies that as well. I mean, it's a language first and foremost, and it's also a really expansive and strange way to add a layer of sidereal magic to your life. And I think I just sort of picked up on that, that I could use astrology in all of these ways. And it's also a spiritual practice for me. And I think that I I recognize that I could perhaps use that in service to others and to sort of bear witness to them in a way that was that I was giving myself and my gifts and also listening. But I can't, I mean, I don't think I can pinpoint like a moment as a kid, even like whenever I was down or struggling, I always, for some reason, just instinctually like turned to astrology books. And it always made me feel better, like reading about the archetypes and reading about the planets. It was sort of like this strange medicine. And I never really thought about it beyond that. It was like my, my tool for getting through things. And then as an adult, I started to realize like, oh, wait, there's something to this. I can, I can maybe transmute this into something more. And then I started to study it pretty seriously. That makes sense because you being a storyteller and a writer probably made you feel connected to it because it's storytelling and it's making you feel articulated by putting a story to how you were feeling. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's also like an energetic language, which I really appreciate. It's a language of mythology and Mercury is like the, the mythical ruler of poetry and astrology and Mercury loves to move between worlds. And I think I really love to move between worlds. And so, yeah, astrology just does that. It, it infuses the everyday with these splices of more cosmic knowledge. And that's actually really, that can actually be very concrete. And I appreciate that. Yeah. You use astrology as language an art and a tool for connection. And you really do that in your sessions, which is really cool. So speaking of writing, you recently wrote your second book, a poetry essay fusion called (laughs) The Wave Archive. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. The way that I talk about it is I say that it explores the edges of consciousness because it talks about my experiences a little bit with having epilepsy and having seizures. I also talk about brainwaves and and shifts of consciousness and using language in ways that are perhaps not immediately legible. You know, I try to take the reader into a space of of feeling of maybe like displaying or transmuting the edge of consciousness vibe instead of just describing it to them, if that makes sense. So it's really an oscillation between almost research-based musings on consciousness and brainwaves and having seizures and and what does it mean to be diagnosed with something and what does it mean to move through the world with that label and and what does it mean to really kind of transcend what we would suppose would be normal or quote-unquote normal consciousness and then kind of enacting that in poetry and images there's also a lot of images in the book and kind of like opening up the space of the archive or the index and and this like very human need that we have to kind of catalog things and record things and making it more emotional and making it very very personal and idiosyncratic. That I'm your so question. excited about this book. I started reading it. It's fantastic. You're so talented. And this isn't your first book. Can you tell us about the first book that you wrote? 
Yeah. My first book is called G and it came out a year ago and it's also poetry and essay and it talks about in um, different kinds of ways, a couple who's building a garden together. So it's this very like fertile and green lush space of hard work while also in a really strange and eerie and sort of abusive relationship. And so it's like kind of talks about the building of something while something else is deteriorating, but it does so in in a little bit of a meandering exploratory way. I'm dying to read that one too. Wow. Both of the topics of your book and just the dichotomy of those two things in a story and the way that you're blending, you know, really putting someone in the shoes of a character and the new book, like you're really talented and it's really cool. Do you have writing practices and routines other than waking up early and getting it in early? Anything else that's helpful to you or writing rituals and routines that might be advice for other people who want to be writers? Mm. Me. (laughs) (laughs) You are a writer. (laughs) Yeah, let me think. Okay, well, surrounding yourself with writers or people who make you want to write, who give you that kind of that bodily feeling of needing to write. And also like listening to yourself. I think there are certain moments when like it's okay to not write. Like I think that's kind of a myth that we need to be writing every day. I think it's okay to to, like go easy on yourself and not force yourself to write. I also think that it's really valuable to know when if something's coming through, that's really important. And to know what that signal is, like for me, there are different ways that I feel it in my body. It comes up as like almost like an anxiety feeling, like I have to get something out. Mm-hmm. And it's important to honor that. I think you kind of note when that happens and like read, I always talk like read everything and, and read indiscriminately, you know, and read small presses, like a lot of presses that people haven't necessarily heard of in the mainstream, I think are doing really interesting things and look at art. I mean, just like, I think kind of, it's like, sounds silly, but like be a vessel, you know, like remain, remain open and you're going to want to find a receptacle for all of that stuff that's coming through. Mm, That was a lot of good information and that (laughs) answer. You're such a life artist. You kind of mentioned this, but you obviously do astrology and write and write poems and essays and you're working on a novel right now. And I think I saw on Instagram, you paint and you're definitely an art consumer of visual art. So you really vacillate between a lot of different forms. And I think that informs and betters your work in each of them. Mm, That's generous. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's really true. I think so. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's like, I'm so restless and I need to be looking at so much and, and I need to have like two or three projects going at once that that can sometimes be a really good thing. And sometimes it can work against me. I think we talk a little bit in the, in the episode about Saturn, Saturn really wants you to like focus and become a master (laughs) at something. And I think, you know, there are many ways to, to do that, but, um, one of the one of the writers who who was really influential to me in my early life was Jen Bourbon. She does really interesting hybrid work with with visual art and writing, and it just kind of something went off in my in my mind when I was and I was like, oh wait, like writing doesn't have to be just this one thing, or art doesn't have to be just this one thing, and there's a lot of room in the middle, and there's a lot of all these Venn diagrams within Venn diagrams, and you can kind of do whatever you want. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's best to see that 
in every medium that we're working in to when you see someone who can be your expander, who's doing it in a different way. I'm working on a project right now that the form of it really had me stuck for weeks where I I think it was around the time we recorded this conversation people are about to hear, but I was so looking for role models and looking at the way other people have presented information in the way that I want to be doing it for this project and just talking about it to every friend who'd made something similar and going over and over and over and over and over. And then one day I just re- like laughed. I was sitting at the coffee shop and I was like, oh, none of these people know what they're doing. They just made it up. Like they just literally made it up. And it's, and it's kind of like your expander with this woman and maybe people who find you, it's like, oh, to blend, to be a writer and a poet and an essayist and a visual artist and to also do astrology. Like Emily just like made that up. Like that wasn't a thing. You didn't look at someone else's career and be like, I think I'll model that. Like, you know, and I think for our generation, that can be challenging because I thought I would, I remember in eighth grade, like I just wanted to be on Saturday Night Live, you know, and like, I'll just do that person's career or I'll, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a newscaster and I'll like follow this formula, like all these things I wanted to do, but podcasting didn't exist. And like this thing I'm working on didn't exist. And like, I never thought I would help other people run a workshop for people podcasting. Like I barely know how to do it. You know, so it's just, I maybe shouldn't say that for for everyone in the workshop, but you're in good hands. No, it's just interesting. It's like, we really have to be our own expanders and we have to be our own role models and take pieces from people who inspire us, but then ultimately like everybody's making it up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You kind of, yeah. I think you have to make it up a little bit and that's scary, but also I think it's weird times, you know, it's very strange times out there. And I think that that means we, we need new modes and new ways to approach things or, or revisit old modes with new kinds of consciousness because we have to, feel better however we can and also it can be really damaging to feel like you need to fit into a certain chiseled out space Um, yeah all right let's go back to talking about astrology shift gears a little bit this episode that people are about to hear isn't exclusively about saturn returns but it definitely focuses on that but we also talking about moving through the muck and feeling better at the end you'll hear a bit more about me and personal details about my life as well as my chart because we use me as an example and we also get into north and south nodes and emily describes what those are and how they can connect to saturn returns too so let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and have emily answer your questions that you submitted to me I love talking about skincare and finding products that work and that I love and I think you guys would like too. BioClarity is one of them. I've been using their products for a while and their routines really work for me. They've been helping with the redness on my skin and my breakouts. I put a little bit of their products on when I'm getting a breakout and it really helps. I think you guys would like it too. Clear skin doesn't necessarily have to be more expensive and that's why I love 
BioClarity because they strive to create affordable options that are really healthy for your skin and the environment. They're a green, clean skincare routine company and they have two routines that can fit your skincare needs their clear skin routine for oily or breakout prone skin like mine or the essentials routine for normal skin for everyday use and both routines consist of an easy three-step regimen that can improve the look and feel of your skin and is packed with detoxifying nutrients their products are uniquely formulated to help nourish your skin they're plant-based I really love them. Their routines also include a super special ingredient found only in BioClarity called Floralux, which is made from the chlorophyll of plants. It's super, super green. It's a special ingredient to help with redness, hyperpigmentation, and evening out your skin tone and texture. And you'll find that only BioClarity has Floralux. This is not in any other skincare brands, which is really cool. I feel like all skincare can kind of be the same and it's cool that BioClarity really has this thing that makes them stand out. So BioClarity has everything you need to help your skin feel better and look better. That's what you're into. <laughs> anyway, their products are 100% vegan, cruelty-free, non-toxin, paraben-free, sulfate-free, artificial fragrance-free, and it's risk-free because they have a 100% money-back guarantee. So why not try it, you know? You can get more radiant skin by going to bioclarity.com. Again, I really love these products, especially that Floralux. It's just really great. And they're more affordable, which I think is really cool. Right now, you guys, my listeners, can get 15% off everything on their website. That's an incredible deal but you just have to enter my code at checkout. It's let it out. So go to bioclarity.com to get 15% off everything on their website by using the code let it out at checkout. Thank you, BioClarity. I'm thrilled about today's sponsor, Beyond Yoga. They are a female-founded, inclusive athleisure brand that I've been wearing for a million years. My aunt first bought me a pair of pants. Shout out to Aunt Marcy, who's listening right now. Thank you so much. They are the most comfortable pants I've ever put on my body, but they also have really cute clothes, you guys. I got this wrap top recently, and I have this like crop top tank top situation, but that's not even why I love them. Yes, their products are great, but a big reason why I love this brand is that they have inclusive sizing, everything from extra, extra small to triple X, and they never retouch the shape of a woman's body in any of their photos or advertising. And Beyond Yoga goes above and beyond to create styles that fit and are comfortable on every body. And their fabrics are just the softest ever. I like soft things, I like soft stories, and I really like soft clothing. Beyond Yoga is dedicated to being transparent and ethical and responsible in their practices that they support people that they work with. Sustainability is at the forefront of every stage in creating their garments, and they aim to produce quality clothing locally in LA in their facilities there. They're really great people every time I've gotten on a call with them. I really genuinely love them. They responsibly source the most luxurious fabrics out there, and they utilize cutting edge technology and conscientious practices from growing and harvesting the cotton 
to finally sewing it and all of the processes in between. More than anything, they're passionate about going above and beyond to produce clothing that makes you feel good and is good for the planet, which is so incredibly important. So use the code LETITOUT to get 20% off your order. And this is a one-time per customer situation. So go in there now, use my code LETITOUT for 20% off, buy everything you can, buy your Christmas gifts, buy your Hanukkah presents, buy yourself something, buy your mom something, buy your sister something, 20% off with the code LETITOUT. Again, I would never ever promote a product I didn't genuinely love and use. And I genuinely think that you will too. Beyond Yoga for all your clothing needs. <laughs> Again, that offer expires and you can only use it once. So get in there now, get your 20% off and just handle that. Check it off your list. Okay, we're back with Emily, and now I'm going to read some of the questions that were submitted in the Facebook group. If you're not in the Facebook group, join the Facebook group and on my Instagram. So first, we have this question. How do you know when your Saturn return is coming? Can you talk about that so people listening can know that for themselves? And if it's easy, I'm not sure if it is, how they could know which... Am I saying this right? House that it's in maybe? Or can you explain that, Emma? Yeah, totally. So you can pretty much like just Google and any astrology app will tell you this, where Saturn is. Saturn doesn't change signs that often. So right now Saturn is in Capricorn and it's going to move into Aquarius. Um, but usually you can tell when your Saturn return is coming up because it, it, the process of it will begin. And, and again, it depends on what degree Saturn is for you, like in terms of when it will really kind of start to infuse your Saturn, but your Saturn return begins when Saturn in the sky enters the sign that your natal Saturn is in. So if your Saturn is in Aquarius, your Saturn return will technically begin in 2020. So you can kind of Google that and look up like the approximation, but then it'll hit the exact degree point at some point within that few year period. Cool. Yeah. So we should say for people listening, I'm a Taurus sun. Sagittarius rising, Leo moon, and I'm attaching my full chart to the show notes of this episode. And if you get the emails with the show notes, if you want to get them, you can. And the my chart, my full chart with all the things will be in there because we use me as an example in case people want to know. And another thing we talk about are north and south nodes. Um, mine is in, my north node is in Aquarius. My south node is in Leo. I think that's right. Do you remember, Emily? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that might be another thing for people to want to look up before this episode and just, you know, have it in the back of their mind, but they're about to find out what that means. And those two things, the nodes and Saturn returns have been most interesting to me lately. And so that's where we focus in this episode. But I would love to have Emily back to talk about more things with astrology as we move on in this friendship, because I think you're so talented and great. And I would love you to come back. I would love that. Okay. One more question before we get to the the meat of this episode. This person asks, I'm experiencing newfound doubt, anxiety, and fear around my career and professional path. How do I best lean into my Saturn return year when I'm feeling so uncertain about my career and what to do next? Oh, I just want to hug this person because I feel the same way. And I think you're going to find this episode 
that we recorded very comforting because I'm kind of in the same boat and Emily gives me a lot of really good advice, but, but Emily, do you have anything specific to, to what she asked that you want to add to that? Just feeling okay about the uncertainty, which is so hard. I know, but Saturn has a way of taking options away and in a sense that can be really scary because it feels like loss, but also it can be very clarifying. So I think that that's one way to look at it, you know, that, that this like process of honing in and zooming in on, on what will be your focus in your career and otherwise it will feel both really nice and and kind of medicinal and also difficult and that that's okay and and like the uncertainty is really rich you know there's a lot of knowledge there and i think our society like really doesn't respect the space of dwelling in uncertainty and i think that it's so valuable to just kind of like as hard as it is asking questions about your uncertainty rather than running away from it or can be kind of a way through it yeah like just lean on in that's what i'm trying to do and the more that i do that the more that i i've been thinking about this a lot since our episode and i wanted to tell you this earlier this week because it was really comforting for me to listen back to that where i've just been feeling like the more I lean into whatever is happening, the more that I just am like, okay, this is a bit of a bummer. This is not what I wanted, but this is what's happening. And as soon as I get into that space, I start feeling better and I can feel the sense of like, oh, rejection is protection and this isn't what I wanted, but maybe this is better. And the sooner I can get into that place, the less uncomfortable I feel. Yes. Yes. I think that's beautiful. Like, I think we're we're really obsessed with the word abundance or expansion or options. Yes. I'm not sure, but I think I probably touch on this with the South Node. Like there's so much wisdom in the South Node and they're both equally important. And and even though everyone says the South Node is like this place of contraction or darkness, like that's its own kind of riches. And that's very important. And we need those spaces and we can't be expanding all the time. We would explode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Emily will be back to talk with me and do the likes and learns segment with me at the end of this episode. So stick around for that. Hopefully we answered your questions and you have a good baseline knowledge of astrology to go into this. But we'll be right back and well you'll we'll be back literally in like two seconds. <laughs> we have people eavesdropping, but essentially We had this wonderful session where I did your podcast. Remind me where you're from. I grew up in Pennsylvania, but I lived in New York and LA and a bunch of other places. And and now I live in New Jersey. What was your relationship to astrology growing up? So my parents are very interesting in the sense that, and interesting is such a weird word, it's so vague, but I, I guess I'll say that they're both like seekers and they're very curious about the world. Um, They're even, they're very like awesome models for me because even as they age, some people tend to contract as they get older and sort of narrow their worldview. And my parents tend to do the opposite, which is they bring more people into their lives. They study new things. They are extremely non-judgmental and they're both very active in the realm of the mind and also like what is unseen. So they're very like spiritual and I've learned a lot from them having that sort of foundation of teaching in my life. They're very like entrepreneurial in a sense and 
and they're very of the world. It's not like they're, you know, I didn't grow up in a commune or anything. I had a very standard semi-rural Pennsylvania upbringing, but just their, their way of relating to the world became an incredible inroads for me and a, a good model, but they didn't like study astrology. They were mostly, we had all kinds of books on philosophy and um, literature and mysticism, but we um, astrology wasn't a thing. So I kind of just like found astrology on my own. I don't even have like a, an origin story aside from the fact that like in bookstores, I would just be like hiding out in like the mystic section. That's so cool. What do they think of your relationship to astrology now? <laughs> they love it. I'm kind of like the sort of person who I can't compartmentalize my life. So when, so I just as soon as I got super into astrology and it started to become more of a career path for me, I was just talking about it to everyone. And my parents being the open-minded people they are, they're like, great, like do our charts. Um, what do we need to know? My dad will text me and he's like, I'm in court today. He's a lawyer. He's like, what do I have to know? What's going on? <laughs> that is so cool. That's amazing. So you are this amazing writer and then you also decided to get into astrology and then you share it in, in multiple ways through your writing and then also through, through your podcast. So tell us a bit about your podcast. My podcast is called the Avant Galaxy podcast, which is kind of like a, I see it as kind of a funny term because I see my relationship to astrology as kind of like through the lens of art and through the lens of my creative life. So my podcast is kind of like, I guess the tagline might be like the intersection of art and astrology. And I try to use astrology instead of like this prescriptive thing. I use it instead as a way to see the world more expansively and, and kind of re-enchant it. And I kind of interrogate it. I use critical thinking a lot. I, I, um, bring in guests of all sorts, like you were on and also healers and creative people, poets, people who are thinking in all kinds of modes. And I talk about them. I talk about what they do with them. And also kind of, um, I try to bring in the stars as much as I can. And I always like read people's charts before the podcast was kind of like my little gift to them. And that's a jumping off point. Yeah. Which is how we connected. And I was so grateful and taken by you as a person. And I'm like still really excited to dive into your writing more and your work more. And I just, I'm really happy to know you and be connected with you. And I just think you're really talented and cool. And so you gave me a bit of a reading and then we talked on your podcast, which people can go back and listen to. And one of the things that you spoke to me about, I'm not sure, and you can help me remember if this was in the recorded part or the non-recorded part, but we definitely talked about Saturn returns because I am indeed in the smack dab middle of mine or you'll tell me where I am in mine but I thought that they were really interesting and I feel like it's it's a part of astrology that people toss around a lot and is discussed a lot and I thought that I've had astrologers on my podcast and I want to continue to do that but I thought today before we really get into anything else, I thought it would be really cool to just do like a deep dive on specifically Saturn returns and use me as an example of where I'm at, using my life to kind of showcase that and then what I can expect. And I'm just gonna, I've got my notebook. 
I'm going to take copious notes and hopefully learn a lot. And I think everyone listening can use this as an example and maybe figure out in their chart where they are and get some inspiration about Saturn returns and their own life. But then also just to like know what they are from, because you have a unique perspective that not a lot of other astrologers have on Saturn returns, which I think is really interesting. So let's just start there and back all the way up and talk about what Saturn returns are, like define them and then where you stand on them. And then also I would love your opinion and maybe you want to start with this of like why it is something that so many people talk about. And it's almost, I don't know, I would say maybe one of the more well-known aspects of astrology right now. Well, first of all, thank you. I feel like you said so many really wonderful things about me and I feel the same about you. I'm very taken with you and I think your work is really important and your energy is very wonderful. So I'm glad that we're chatting and I think those are all really good questions. I think to understand Saturn returns, we need to really understand Saturn as an entity, which I don't know that a lot of people do. A lot of a lot of things right in our times kind of get truncated and labeled and short-circuited in favor of like really catchy, short, pithy things. And I think Saturn return and Mercury retrograde and these kind of like astrological buzz phrases that happens, they get kind of swept under the rug. And they're really these very rich concepts that we can learn a lot from. And so I think we need to first understand Saturn. And Saturn is really a gatekeeper in a lot of ways. So if we think about the planets just kind of out there hanging in the sky, Saturn is the last planet that we can really at times almost see with our naked eye. And beyond that, there are the planets that we call the transpersonal planets. So Saturn is really the gatekeeper between our own kind of egoic lives and the personal lives that we live on a day-to-day basis in the material world and what is collective consciousness and what is larger than us. So that in and of itself is kind of like a heavy load because it's like, okay, to go through the process of realizing that there's more to life than just you and your story. It sounds simple, but it's not. It's or it's it's simple, but it's not easy, right? Yeah. And Saturn was what we thought for many centuries was the last planet. We only discovered Neptune and Pluto and those entities out there late, much later. So a lot of the sort of attributes that Pluto has now, like, you know, being like the planet of death and transformation, that Saturn's kind of like the OG Pluto hmm. um, because all of that was ascribed to Saturn. It was, the, it was the last planet that we could see that we knew for many, many years. And so Saturn carries that weight. It's a very heavy planet. We can think of it as the polarity of Jupiter. So where Jupiter is expansive and Jupiter says yes, and Jupiter is lucky, Saturn says no. Saturn is kind of like the dimmer switch to like Jupiter's supernal optimism, you know? And if you think about that, like both are incredibly necessary. Obviously we can't really move the light without the dark. So Saturn reminds us that we have boundaries, that there are boundaries in life. So that's one of the reasons why we're so scared of Saturn and Saturn returns, because we don't really like boundaries. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's no joke. It's like, it's really scary. It's like, fuck. And also this sense of the time, the Saturn return time, it, it takes 29 and a half years to cycle. And so people tend to hit their Saturn return between the ages of 27 to 30-ish because Saturn stays in one sign for approximately three years. So a lot of times this is this is a period in people's lives where they're like coming to terms with the fact that they have to like get rid of what's not necessary. They have to kind of slough off what is no longer working and make decisions and define themselves in some way, in some categorical way. And it can be a period of loss because for so long, like if you think like the joyousness of youth, like that thing of like anything is possible. I'm like endlessly abundant. Like that Saturn kind of comes in and is a bit goth, (laughs) which I kind of love about Saturn. Saturn's like, no, dude, like not everything is possible. And actually we need to kind of look at what's not necessary. And that's where a lot of growth happens when we're kind of like in the underworld sorting through crap. (laughs) Yeah. So What was your, and I don't mean to interrupt, I'm sure you have more to say about Saturn Returns, and I want to, don't forget, but I guess the question that's coming to my mind, are you through yours? Where, how did this affect you personally? Yeah, I am through mine. (laughs) I'm aging myself here, but yeah, I am through mine. I was the, I was the previous Saturn Return cycle in Sagittarius. And um, how did this affect me? That's a really good question. I mean... My Saturn return, like in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm the type of person who's like very Saturnian (laughs) in nature. Like I I feel like in a lot of ways, I'm always kind of defining myself and redefining myself and figuring things out in that sense. But I guess, I mean, I moved, I left New York. I, in a lot of ways, my life got smaller in the sense of I don't see as many people now. You know, in New York, you pass like a million people a day on the street, you pick up on their energy. It's a totally different way of moving through the world. And now I live in a beach town that's largely desolate in the winter. So my life, in that sense, is a little bit more blinkered and focused, which it is really difficult sometimes because it can be a little hermetic, but also it's done a lot of good for, I think, my mental health and my work as a writer. And it sort of forced me to enter that space of just like work, which is another lesson of Saturn. It's like that grind, that drudgery, like anyone who's a creative person knows that, and we're all creative people. And you're, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this with your podcast and your own writing. Like there are moments of this Jupiter vibe of like, yes, direct channel download. Like I'm just, things are like pouring through me. I'm inspired. And then there are equal moments of this is awful. This is like grinding. This is like, this is really drudgery work here in the trenches. So I think of that almost as like the editorial process. Like I'm editing a novel right now and it feels very Saturnian. I'm just like, it feels like it's just, it can almost feel, I feel like Saturn can sometimes feel like you're on an elliptical <laughs> and it's like the highest level of difficulty. I don't even know how to say that, but it's, um, and you're not getting anywhere, you know, but then it's like eventually that pays off, but it's very grinding. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that tracks. That's like what I've been feeling lately. <laughs> and yeah, it's, yeah, it's rough, but it's like, I think it's important not to sugarcoat Saturn because it is like, it kind of sucks. Yeah. So what can help during it? It can help 
A to like, I think the same as in Saturn returns. So in life, like not fighting it, you know, if you, you can't really fight Saturn, um, you can't resist persist. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And so that will make it easier. And also like, I feel like so much in our like super social media saturated world, we're like really pressured maybe, or we tend to internalize the pressure of like being very visible at all times and feeling like we're big and, and um, present in the world and in a sense of um, not presence, like I'm here and now and not in the future, but presence in the sense of, of um, visibility and growth, like, being visible to a lot of people, right? That's like the internet. And I think of the internet almost as like Jupiter. Jupiter is like a lot and it's abundant and it's just everything. And Saturn is kind of like, well, no, we got to like focus in and hone that idea and kind of, it's a little bit more laconic, a little bit more terse. So, so yeah, I think not feeling like you need to be one thing to be successful or you need to be kind of redefining what success is for you um, as opposed to what it is for our contemporary idea of success. Does that make sense? Yeah. And also for someone who I like to know I like to not, I like the certainty. (laughs) It's particularly uncomfortable being in this phase of redefining myself and my work and my career. And I'm moving, I'm between places, I've been traveling a lot. And I've, the more I've leaned into the fact that I'm transient, the fact that I don't really know what's happening, the fact that like my career is in this malleable place the more I can just lean into that and accept that, like you said, the more comfortable I feel and the more uncomfortable I feel when I'm like trying to go back when I'm like, Oh, I want to be back in that relationship or I want to just stay in my apartment. Or I think forward movement in this Saturn way has been helpful to me so far. And everything you're saying about, I was probably maybe you can tell me in like what would feel like a Jupiter phase before in 2017 and 2016 there it was like when I moved to New York and when I started a new relationship and when my book came out and then this year 2019 in January I like my life just like totally blew up (laughs) like both of my grandfathers died and I had a breakup and I hurt myself so I couldn't exercise anymore. And I moved out of my apartment and I got rid of most of my belongings and I left a full-time job that I worked for six years. And like everything is still in flex right now. Like I don't know, I launched a new project, but everything is still growing and changing and evolving. And it feels extremely uncomfortable, but also at times I feel really depressed and scared and anxious, but at other times I feel hopeful and excited and eager and I can like see through the other side, but I very much feel like I'm still in it. So giving you that information and we've spoken before, so you sort of know, tell me if that tracks from what you're seeing on, on my chart. Maybe we should have done this opposite because it probably would have been more impressive for people to be like oh the astrologer really like read her like a book but um 
but I don't know. That's that's where I'm at. And tell me what you see from that Saturn return wise, I think would be interesting. And then I'm more interested selfishly. And I think for everyone listening, it's probably more interesting for their own selves to figure out like what can be useful knowledge moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting that you're saying January because um, so really, I should say, I'm not sure if I said this, but um, a Saturn return, you can look, you guys listening, um, you can look in your own chart to see where Saturn is. And when Saturn enters the sign that your Saturn is in, that's when, the, when your Saturn return begins, which is usually for three years, give or take. And then we can get more specific in terms of the degree of your Saturn and when it will hit that exact degree. So Saturn first dipped into Capricorn where your Saturn is December. So it was December 2017. It's March 21st, 2020. It hit that area that you're talking about January 20 to 25th ish was when it like kind of went over your exact degree, I believe. Uh, Mm hmm. So that's when my breakup was. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I believe it was January 20th, 25th-ish. And then and then it left, actually. It left Capricorn retrograding back. And so basically, your like, serious kind of grind, you're kind of like in it. <laughs> it's like, it's not so far from your, from your Saturn. Right now, Saturn is at 14 degrees Capricorn. And yours, I believe, is 25. Let me see. Yeah, your Saturn is at 25. So, you know, it's like Saturn's a slow mover, but it's still there. It's still very much there. And then August 24th until November 2nd, 2020, we can say. Because, you know, it's not exact. You'll feel it. So August 2020 through November, beginning of November 2020, that'll be kind of like your last reckoning (laughs) with Saturn. And what did you say about March 21st, 2020? Was that notable too? Yeah. Well, just in general, that's when it like officially leaves Capricorn. Okay. But then I have like a, what, like an aftershock or something until November. (laughs) Right. Right. All right. Well, that, that seems long. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's a slow planet and it will change. Like it's not going to feel as terribly acute as it did in January or as maybe you felt kind of, you're talking about, you felt kind of shocks of it throughout and everything feels kind of up and down, but it is this, it's so slow and it is this process of restructuring really, because Saturn is like our bones and, the way that systems get formed and kind of ossify in our body and our mind. So that takes a while to kind of like shake up the existing structure and build a new one. And I think the way to one way to work with that is to really lean into the fact that a lot of, even though it seems really awful and it, it, it is just kind of like leaning into the fact that a lot of really good things can come from the darkness. If you like let it happen, if you don't, try to make Saturn into something it's not because really it changes our relationship with time in the sense that we become aware of death. Like you're saying you, you went through some really difficult stuff with that and also becoming aware of our own mortality in that sense. Yeah. So it's, it's deep, it's a deep lesson and it's like, we kind of don't get the fruits of it unless we <laughs> accept it into our, it's like accept Saturn into your heart. <laughs> I feel like that's just been my lesson lately, like in every sort of 
modality that I've been leading into every sort of conversation, every sort of therapy. It's just all been, are you going to change course? And are you going to like, this is it. Like, this is your life. You have to really, my writing teacher says this thing, get into it or get out of it. Like when you're writing an essay, either give all the details and be really open or like, don't allude to anything. Just like, don't like cut it then. And I feel like I really need to do that in my life because I've been feeling this sort of like master of none type feeling. Mm -hmm. And I need to focus more and that will help me to pivot and like up level, hopefully. And like, which seems very Saturn. Yeah, that is extremely Saturn. It's, as I said, I think before, like this dimmer switch um, options winnowing down instead of creating more options. And that is actually a good thing because then it's like you don't feel as much like the master of none and you're kind of being called into being, you know, I don't want to say expert, that sounds weird, but more of an authoritative energy with whatever you're working with and kind of like becoming a wise one, right? Like Saturn is kind of about the elders who are wise and have this level of authority that we both revere and and respect and maybe are a little even like intimidated by. Yeah. Ooh, that's very cool. You're having all these opportunities come up and you're like diving into them, but also you're it sounds like right, you're having to sort of say no to a lot. Yeah, I should be probably saying no to more. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm trying. I know that saying no and being more internal and making things is what I need to do. Whenever I ignore that, I might not regret it immediately, but I just know that that's what I need to do. Right. Like it's not comfortable. Yeah. Like I want to distract and go out and be with my friends and do things that are like meetings and fun and with people. But I know what I need to be doing is writing and making things and organizing and staying in and like doing my homework. But I keep not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) So you're like, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's totally human to run from Saturn. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard edged and goth and badass and it's a little heavy metal. Yeah. I know. And I think I conflict with it because yeah, I just, I want things to be sunny and bright and easy, even though that's not really my nature and that's not like the way the cookie is crumbling for me, right? at least right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 And also when you're saying about you, you injured yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but a lot of people say, so that sucks. I'm sorry about that. It's okay. <laughs> but they, a lot of people say that during Saturn transits and the Saturn return specifically, your appearance might even change. Like you're so, it's such a transformative time in terms of the structure of your inner and outer world that people might say that you look different or you might get hurt or things might start to restructure in your body. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that makes sense too. Yeah. So like leaning into those times, like getting curious about the times when you are forced to rest or forced to think about time in a different way, I think is another really positive way to work with Saturn. Yeah. Anything else I need to know about Saturn returns or my Saturn return? In general? Yeah, I mean, your Saturn return 
So yours, so everyone's Saturn return is a little different because everybody has Saturn in a different place in their chart. And also Saturn is aspecting different things. So aspects in astrology are ways to just say like lines of sight or conversations that different planets are having with each other. And also the location of Saturn is really important. So like Saturn for you is in your second house in its home sign of Capricorn, so then your Saturn return is going to really hit hit all of this second house energy. And the second house in astrology is about our resources. And, you know, if the first house is kind of about like, hey, who am I? Kind of defining the self, questions about identity. The second house is about, okay, well, what's in my environment? And what, how am I earning money in the world? What is my self-worth? These are all kinds of like second house questions, like the material world that you're accumulating and that you live in. So that is something that I would expect or would have expected to be coming up for you during this time. Mm, Yeah. Actually, I think on that note, that is one of the reasons, that's one of the things we talked about on my podcast is your kind of like super examination of your financial situation, which is what the second house is. Yeah. 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 I mean, for me, like everything is in flux right now. Like everything from like relationships, body, finances, living situation, like all of the houses, like they really feel like they are in flux, which is very uncomfortable and not my norm. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, also what's going on right now for everybody um, with Saturn is that it's in Capricorn with Pluto at the South Node. So translation, you know, we know that Pluto is kind of like the Lord of Death, kills things off, wants us to transform, and Saturn kind of restructures things. So we can kind of feel, obviously, in our collective chart that things are getting restructured. I'm thinking of like the climate change march and marches and and things that are needing to change in our culture in order for us to really like survive. And so that we can feel happening and that's obviously hitting us on personal levels too. And, and you very specifically, it's hitting because Pluto is residing very near your Saturn placement. So that's kind of adding this heaviness and this like constant transforming underworld energy to your Saturn experience. And the South Node, where these energies are located right now, it's kind of representative of what we need to release or think it's kind of like a release valve in the chart. It's, it's one of the points that eclipses happen at. So it's not easy to like, so, you know, it's like this deciding what's essential and what needs to get killed off and how am I going to move forward and build a new structure after, after all of that is done. (laughs) So it's, it's not easy work for any of us, but for you, it's, it's like kind of a double whammy because you're going through the, the Saturn return. Pluto wants us to transform and go through the darkness so that we can, you know, really like transcend ourselves or our ideas of what are, what are, it's kind of like ego death would be like shorthand. Okay. Yeah. I feel that. (laughs) Yeah. This is so hard and terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. And you know, the thing is like for people listening, like it's not just like it's not just you know you don't just deal with Saturn in a Saturn return although that's kind of like the major thing that we talk about in astrology but like looking to where Saturn is in your chart and also looking to what house it's in and kind of just 
reckoning with it on on a daily basis is is helpful just working with that energy and becoming familiar with it because it can be scary especially when we don't make a practice of confronting the darkness like i think about it's making me think about like you know in yoga um shavasana at the end Mm -hmm. and how that translates to corpse pose Mm -hmm. so it's this thing of it's actually a pose and we're we're supposed to be still and sort of almost like imagine ourselves as corpses and that's not pretty but it's also like when the the work of the yoga practice settles in and we're able to kind of integrate it into our bodies and it's like deep rest that allows for information to penetrate us Mm, yeah like you need that you know i mean all of this stuff it's like when you think about a saturn return or a corpse pose at the end of yoga or, you know, you know, do you know Lacey Phillips and her work? Mm -hmm. You know, she talks about rock bottoms and like all of that. It's like, I've been thinking about that a lot lately and whether it's true or not to view things in that way as darkest before the dawn or like a comeback. Like my friend who's in the 12 steps always talks about your comeback and like, that's a much prettier thought. You know what I mean? Like it's a much more positive way to view this sort of thing is to look at it like it's so hard right now because it's going to be so good later or it's going to be better later is just whether it's placebo or not, it'll help you get through this. And that's what I've just been trying to like lean into lately. Yeah. Yeah, as like it's not the end of the story, it's one layer. Yeah. That's kind of where we get our magical powers, is like <laughs> the moments of darkness. I mean, it sounds kind of silly to talk in some ways it does sound silly to talk about it like that because it's like serious shit, obviously, like people dying in your family and getting injured and and feeling like, you know, just this awful like anxiety. Like these, like these are really common Saturn return things that suck. And I don't want to like make light of that, but it's also, I think one of the lessons of Saturn is like, you know how, like, you know how, com- I don't know why this is coming to you, but like, you know how comedians a lot of times are like, or some of the funniest people, you know, in life are oftentimes actually really prone to depression or have seen a lot of really dark shit. Yes. Yeah. I feel, <laughs> yeah. I feel like, um, you know, that can be one of the lessons of Saturn too, like to truly understand, like the, to truly be funny in a universal way, you kind of have to understand the breadth and depth of human emotion and have been there to some extent, in my opinion. I mean, that's like, I feel like the funniest people I know are like, prone to a lot of darkness and so that can be a lot of that can be one other way to look at Saturn like we're getting experience we're like doing time in this dark thing that will ultimately hopefully make us more empathetic and more able to relate to people in like nuanced ways with like laughter or tears or whatever the situation is calling for yeah I love that I think that looking at things in a positive way like that is really useful and I would like to end by talking about a different thing than Saturn Returns, actually. And that is my North Node. Can we talk about that? Because I think, well, oh, the other thing I was going to ask you about before we talk about the North Node, I had an astrologer years ago, and I think I maybe told you this 
tell me that Mercury and retrograde would be like less for me because I'm like always kind of in Mercury and retrograde. Do you know what maybe she was talking about? <laughs> yeah. So, so your Mercury is in retrograde and your chart. So, you know, I don't know if I'd say you, you feel it less because it's still some, when Mercury goes retrograde, it's still a reversal or an internalization. So you're still going to feel it, but it can feel a little bit more like familiar to you maybe or inherent because it is part of your chart your your mercury in your chart is in retrograde in taurus so i don't think it's like makes i don't know what your experience what why do you feel like mercury has like mercury retrograde has less of an impact on you (laughs) yeah i never i never really notice it or pay attention to it or think about it i just hear like everyone talking about it and i don't really give it a thought (laughs) yeah which could be why it doesn't feel like but yeah I mean it's also when I see mercury retrograde in a chart it can be like that communication for you is a really important thing and communication with yourself and kind of inner your inner life is very important things like this internalizations of the mercurial energy so yeah I mean you could feel it less but I don't think that's like a universal rule I just thought that was interesting. Okay. And then the other thing that I wanted to talk about was the North Node. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell us what that is, what it means, and then tell me about mine and anything I should note. Yeah. Okay. So I think the North Node is getting like a lot of buzz lately. It's like having a moment. (laughs) Great. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, The North Node. (laughs) The North Node's like, wow, it's my moment. So. The North and South nodes in the chart, if you guys at home are looking at your chart, it's the, it kind of looks like headphones symbols. The North node is headphones and then the South node is like upside down headphones. Mm-hmm. And um, they're just places, they're mathematical points on a chart where eclipses happen. And so your North node is an Aquarius and that means that your South node is in Leo, which is the opposite sign from Aquarius. And the thing to know about North and South nodes is that, you know, they're really, it's, it's the language of light and shadow because that's what eclipses are. They're heightened light or dimmed light and, and just the sort of ever-changing grayscale that, that we live our lives by. So the North node we can see as, well, both of them are actually very spiritual points. And, and the North node, a lot of people associate with like the life purpose or like the big, you know, the big thing that you're headed towards, the kind of your guiding light or energy, and the mm-hmm. sun being more like your comfort zone or where where you came from karmically. So some people, some astrologers associate them with like past lives and then what you're here on earth to do in this life. And you know, I think that that can be helpful if you resonate with your North node, but I think it's not that simple. So it's not like, Oh, go towards your North node and forget about your South node. And and it's bad. It's not like good or bad. It's really more of like a point of light, the North node or a point of expansion and bigness. So it's more like a Jupiter energy and the South node would be more like a dimmer switch or a little bit more Saturnian. And there are obviously, as we're, as we're talking about this whole podcast episode, like things to learn from both of these. So they're both very important points in your chart. What's my south node? Yeah, tell me about each of them then. Yeah, so your north node, I guess I'll start with your south node. So, you know, your south node is in Leo. And it's also important to kind of note where, where the nodes are in terms of house placement. So your south node is in Leo in the ninth house. 
And just like really, I'll just go like pretty simple. Leo archetype is very ruled by the sun, dramatic, kind of a showman, showwoman, very creative. It's like the the primal creative energy. And the sun's prerogative is to see and to be seen. It's very, it needs to be known and it consciousness itself in a lot of ways. So that's kind of the energy of your south node where you're coming from or maybe innate talents that you have. So like a creative inclination, things like this. And in the ninth house, the ninth house is very much about like expansive thinking, um, mysticism, travel to foreign lands and travel, traveling to different parts of your own world, um, brain, if you will. So it's kind of kind of a creative placement, I would say, for your south node and very personal, very focused on the personal. Leo is heart-centered and it's about the personal creative process, whereas Aquarius, its polarity where your north node is residing, is about the collective and larger questions of where we're going as a group, as opposed to like where I am going as an individual. So I would think like having a podcast like you do is a very North Node and Aquarius thing. It's a very Aquarian thing because you're bringing all these people together. You're like, you're expanding people with varying, various knowledge of all kinds of people on your podcast. So like, these are very Aquarian ideals. And so in a sense, looking to your North Node, I'm glad you actually asked because now that I think about it, kind of looking to your North Node during your Saturn return can be actually a really healing healing thing to do because it is, you know, even though you don't have a Jupiter placement or a Jupiter energy per se, it is like this energy of Jupiter. It is this like expansion and light and bigness and, and a sense of like purpose or identity. So it can be a really healing place to look at. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it's like super tracks. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it does for you. Yeah, it's like I need to be the less I am focused on me and being seen, the more ease I'll have. And that's like what, you know, I'm super Leo in the sense of like, I was just talking about this with my friend. Like, I give me a microphone. I want to be seen. I am like so only child in that way. But I don't think that's actually maybe where I'll find the most flow. Maybe it's like being more internal and focused. Mm, I love that you said flow because I do think that when we're like kind of more in the North Node, that's like what that's sort of the flow state that people talk about. But I also love that you're using a microphone, but you're using it to like have conversations with people. You're not just like on your podium having people like look up to you and reigning supreme over your kingdom. Like, you know, you're you're really using it in a very Aquarian way. So it's actually a really cool example of South Node Leo using your like natural skills for the greater good. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. That makes you feel better. <laughs> great. Yeah, I think that's a great example. And also like, think it's great for you that makes sense to me that you're at you're a north node in aquarius also you kind of look you have like a leo mane in a lot of ways like your hair oh, to me always is felt very leo-esque <laughs> you. yeah i feel that and i've heard that before <laughs> just briefly touch on someone asked in the facebook group the difference between moon sun and rising sign could you just go through that briefly yes this could be its own episode but yeah yeah really brief. 
So sun, your sun sign, you can think about as like your consciousness, your heart, your center. It's If you just think about what the sun does in the sky, it lights up everything. So it's sort of like the realm of spirit or the realm of the divine. The moon, in contrast, changes signs every two to three days. So it talks more about the material world and the, the ever-changing nature of the world around us and and um, our, our material and human lives that are the physical world. So oftentimes your moon placement will talk about the way that you interact with your environment and the people around you and your emotions on the day-to-day, whereas the sun is like the fuel that's moving the whole chart along. And then your rising sign is actually really important. In ancient astrology, it was one of the most important things about your chart. So it's very personal because it's the moment that you landed here on earth. So all of the energies in the chart get kind of filtered through that prism of your rising sign energy. So it's the way that you regard yourself and emblematic of you in your chart so that all the other energies are are filtering through that. Cool. Okay. And then one last question, the connection between or your thoughts on human design and astrology, because this person says, I loved your episodes on human design and haven't gotten as much into astrology. Do the two connect at all? They definitely do connect. I know that astrology is one portion or one aspect of human design. I don't know that much about human design. I know I'm a generator and that's pretty much all I know. But I think that they're complementary languages. Like I have a lot of clients who are really into human design and they're always, whenever I say something in our sessions, they're like, oh wait, that's how it relates to human design. So I think that they can be really good teachers for each other and they're just complementary. And astrology doesn't take human design into consideration, but human design takes astrology into consideration. I know that. Very cool. Love them both. And I'll link to my two episodes on human design in the show notes so people can go down that rabbit hole as well if they'd like. And I'm going to link to my episodes from the archive with an astrologer from from a long time ago too. So we can keep this conversation going because I think this stuff is interesting and useful and changes. Like that episode I recorded with another astrologer, I think it was like 2013. And we were talking about this actually, Emily, like, oh my God, you're going to have your Saturn return in a couple of years. It's going to be crazy. And then here we are. So, well, this was a delight. Thank you so much. It's so nice to chat with you always and chat about this was really lovely. So Tell me what you have coming up and where people can find you and everything that they need to know. Oh, well, thank you. I'm like really glad that we did this because I feel like people are very like, what? Saturn returns? Like they just panic, but you know, it's not all terrible. So where can people find me? My website, it's just Emily Russo. My my name is spelled strangely. So it's E-M-M-A-L-E-A-R-U-S-S-O.com. And my podcast is The Avant Galaxy on iTunes and I have a couple of books out and yeah, I'm just, I'm on the internet. You can just uh, search. (laughs) Great. Well, I'm so excited to know you and I'm so glad you did this and I think you're the best. Oh my God. I think you're the best. This was so fun. Thank you so much, my friend. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. That was our episode about, I was going to say about human design, about Saturn Returns. (laughs) and not human design at all. But Emily is back with me and we hope that you really enjoyed that. So I do this session, session. I do this segment at the end called Likes and Learns. And I was hoping to outsource that 
to you today, Emily, and I didn't prepare you for this. So this is going to be super off the cuff, but tell me what you're liking lately. So this can be anything from a food you recently had or something you're reading, something you watched, something someone said to you, something you've been wearing, like just what have you been liking recently? Oh my gosh. Um, That's such a big ask. Uh, What have I been liking? I'm going to be very candid. Let's see. I've been really liking the book Melina by Ingborg Bachman. It's a really wonderful book about being a woman among other things. And I read that like for the entire plane ride LA. I've been really loving the light in LA. It's so special and it feels like really cleansing. And I don't know, I could go on and on. I'm going to stop myself, but I just got a new pair of really big glasses, which are very important to me. I love them. They're beautiful. They look so good. I'm obsessed with huge glasses. I just keep going bigger. I don't know what's next, but, and accepting compliments instead of like being like, oh no, that's not true. You know how people like give you a compliment and you're like, no, no, no. I liked, now I'm into like, just being like, thank you. Yes. That's so good. I really need to learn that skill as well. That kind of leads into, that's more of a learn. Anything else that you've been learning lately? What are your learns for the Uh, learning when I'm reading in front of people from my book I'm learning more and more to like tune into the audience and like talk to them and not be nervous I love that what's your greatest lesson on relationships I'm still learning this great lesson but everything doesn't need to be high stakes all the time like drama isn't a marker of excitement Mm, that's a really good one What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? Oh my God. I just had like one of those soft serve things from Pressed Juicer. Oh, they're so good. I was like, what is going on here? It was like pumpkin flavored. It was incredible. Oh my God. I'm obsessed with it. It's like a bad habit. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We'll have to go next time you're in um, New York. Okay. What is a song that you've been listening to, a piece of art, a uh, movie, TV show. You've already mentioned a couple books. Anything else you want to recommend to people listening? Yeah. Oh man. James Hillman. If you guys are into like psychological stuff, he has a book called The Dream in the Underworld, which kind of goes into the psyche and dream interpretation a little bit and and these darker realms and what we can learn from them. I'm liking that book. I love the show, the TV show, The Affair. Oh Yeah. I think that like that kind of for all of you drama junkies out there, like hits that register for me, you know, it's like kind of a soap opera, but really, really dark and strange. And I can't think of anything else. Uh, Mary Rufel. I love, I I just love her books. She was a former teacher of mine. She's a great poet. And yeah, those are the main thing. Cool. What about some of those small presses? Are anyone you want to shout out or any, Anything in particular that you've read that you want to, or any authors that you surround yourself with that have been impactful to you? Totally. Yeah, that's really, that's a good question. Yeah. So I feel really lucky. I came up with a lot of poets in the the New York community of small press, sort of semi-experimental writing. And some of the presses I would say to check out are Ugly Duckling Press, Future Poem, Song Cave, they put out written all of these places put out really beautiful books as well. Like the physical book object is really important. Nightboat books, Wonder, Book Hug, which is where my book just came out. Um, they're out of Toronto. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's more. We can put them in the show notes. 
but yeah, just like kind of like skirting the edges, like like not just reading what you've heard of or what people are talking about, but but sort of like going on your own little meandering reading journey. Mm-hmm. Last question: What do you think happens when we die? Just a big satirian question to end on. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, just just like a last good question. <laughs> This is like the kind of stuff I ask on like first dates, which is why I'm yeah I'm a stranger to go on a date with. But um, same. <laughs> why <Well>, I'm single? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my boyfriend's like, can we just talk about something regular? I mean, honestly, I've had a lot of deaths in my family uh, the past year, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking about this a lot. I don't know, but I I think that energy you know is neither created nor destroyed so it goes somewhere and i think it's endlessly vast and i don't know that we can like wrap our human minds around it but that can be a really good school school of death Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i think that saturn returns like it's not in necessarily a scary way but i think that they're a good teacher for that because saturn reminds us that we are impermanent and everyone has another Saturn return around late fifties or 60 and then another one if they live that long. But so it's this, it's this really beautiful cyclical reminder. So I don't know, but I think energy gets dispersed and it's, it's beautiful and cosmic and something crazy happens. I really love that. And the last thing I want to say about Saturn returns, and I alluded to this earlier somewhere in this episode, but the more that I surrender to it and the more that I slow down and the more that I'm just like, okay, this is the way the cookie crumbled. This is the situation I'm in. I mean, honestly, Emily, this last week, I had an opportunity that involved travel, like fell through at the last minute. Someone on my team that I work with isn't working with me anymore. I like ended it like, not even a relationship at all, but like a person I was going on dates with, like, and all this stuff stopped. And Instead of me being like scared and unhappy about it, I just was like, you know what? That's uh, the way it was meant to happen. And as soon as I could get into that mindset about it, the relief started and I felt like I could start to float again and things felt a bit more kismet and, you know, there's ups and downs in this, of course, but I think, you know, it's like what we resist persists basically. And I think Saturn and life is just a big reminder of that. And I was talking to my therapist about this exact thing and just saying like, oh, you know, I have these really high days and these really low days. And she was just like, dude, that's not necessarily manic. That's just the way life is. Like we all have ups and downs and it's just learning to to ride the wave of it a bit smoother. Yeah, that's really well said. Yeah. And this time of year too, I mean, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, when everything is kind of dying and getting darker, um, it's like, it's a very beautiful reminder of that. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you so much. It was so wonderful to have you. And I think you're going to do Saturn, you're going to do sessions for people listening with the code Saturn with like a huge discount, right? Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I guess we'll link below, but I have a few offerings. I have natal chart readings and astro planning and cosmic divination. You can read about my stuff on my website, but you can use the code Saturn for, I think it's 15 or 20% off. I think it's 20. I think that's what you said. Yeah. There you go. Great. Everyone should really do that because she's fantastic and I... 
endorse. This is a delight. Thank you so much. Go enjoy your day in LA, but first let's take a deep breath together. Ready? Okay, inhale. Let it out. <sighs> Great. That always feels a little better. Yeah. Okay, we're back. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. That was a fake ending because Emily is still with me. Hi, Emily. Hi. (laughs) I realized a couple things. I forgot to tell you announcements, which are, if you want to get the show notes, you can sign up for the show notes. I would love to have you. If you still want to do my podcasting workshop, this is the last, 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 last. I keep saying that every time, but truly we're not going to be doing it again for a long time, but I've gotten a lot of emails of people wanting to come into it. So if you still want to come in, I'll add you, but also I'm doing a lot of events in December. Hopefully you can come to some Emily. We're going to be doing a live podcast episode. We're doing an event at the Faraday store and I'm teaching again at Kripalu at the end of December. So I would love to have you at that sleepover And I'm going to be in Denver doing an event as well. So info on all of that on the website and keep in touch on the internet. And if you are still listening right now, tweet and Instagram at Emily and I, the emoji of the week, which Emily is going to choose for us right now. What is it, Emily? The ghost emoji. Great. Oh, that's fantastic. That's a fantastic choice and one that I don't think we've used. If we have used that and someone knows, please let me know. But if not, Emily and I expect to see the ghost emoji commented or however you'd like to deliver it to us. I mentioned once that my friend Sasha... Did I tell you this, Emily? She texts me the emoji every week, which is so lovely. The most wonderful thing happened... I was at a coffee shop and the lovely barista came over on a piece of paper and he'd written out the three emojis from last week's episode with Savala, which was so moving and beautiful and a great way to deliver the emoji. So if you see me in person, feel free to give me the emotion, the emotion, (laughs) the emoji that way. But it might be easier if you live far away to give it to us virtually. Some of you might know this, but I started practicing yoga when I was in high school and I taught for many years after that and did it a bunch, especially in college. And I therefore wore yoga clothes all the time. And my Aunt Marcy would come to yoga with me. She's listening right now. Hi, Aunt Marce. And we would share yoga clothes, honestly. And she bought me a pair of Beyond Yoga yoga pants. And I still have them. I love them. They're very stretchy and soft. And now they're a sponsor of the podcast. I can't believe it. They're a female-founded company that makes inclusive athleisure clothing. And it's not just yoga pants. Maybe back then it was. But now, you guys, I got this very cool tank top. It's like a crop top. I have a wrap top. They have really great sweatshirts and everything's very fashionable. I I think you guys would like it a lot. And I love them because they have inclusive sizing, everything from very, very small to very large. People in larger bodies can feel comfortable in this. People in smaller bodies, everything in between. They never retouch a woman's body in their imagery, which I obviously think very highly of. And they create styles to fit everybody and they're 
fabrics are just really soft and they keep sustainability at the forefront of every stage in creating their garments. And they aim to produce all of their clothing locally in LA. And they use these luxurious fabrics that are cutting edge and they use these conscientious practices from growing the cotton and harvesting it to sewing it and production. And I, I just really like them every time I get on the phone with them. They seem really lovely. Again, I like their products. I wouldn't ever talk to you guys here in the podcast about anything I didn't use myself, wear myself, enjoy myself, and wouldn't recommend to a friend that I'm hanging out with in real life because you guys are my friends too. So check out Beyond Yoga. If you've never tried their stuff before, try it. I think you would honestly really, really like it. And more than anything, it helps support the podcast too when you support the sponsors, especially one that I'm this excited about. So use the code LETITOUT at checkout for 20% off your order. You must be signed in and use that code to get your 20% off. And it's one time per customer. So, you know, it's a percentage off. So if I were you, I would go in there. I would go crazy in my cart. I would buy so many things. I would buy gifts for myself, for other people, for, you know, strangers. Maybe not strangers, but, you know, just use the code. It would be very cool. Maybe just buy yourself one thing or a friend something. I think you would genuinely like it. If you guys want my recommendations on pants or sizing or what I got, if you want me to send you photos, I'm totally down to do that. Just let me know on Instagram or in the Facebook group. And I'm happy to show you exactly what I'm wearing from them. And I would love to send you photos. I'll do a fashion show. I would be, that would be pretty fun. So, all right. Love you guys. And please, use the code let it out for beyond yoga 20% off one time per customer I've had my ups and downs with my skin I had really bad acne when I was in high school and then again after college and I just love it when I find some products that work for me and right now that's bioclarity I love this company so much and I think you guys will really too So check it out. What I love most about it is that it's been helping with the redness and hyperpigmentation that I have on my skin. And it's helped even out my skin's texture a bit, which I think is really cool. And it has natural, easy to understand ingredients. And best of all, it's affordable. I really love that this company doesn't overcharge for their products. I think skincare products can be really overly expensive and BioClarity strives to create affordable options that are healthier for your skin and for the environment, which I really, really appreciate. They have routines to fit your skincare needs. There's a clear skin routine for people like me with oily breakout prone skin. And there's the essentials routine that's for everyday use for people who have normal skin or maybe drier skin. And I've honestly used both. I really love their clear skin routine and Their routines also include a super special ingredient only found in BioClarity products. It's called Floralux, which is made from the chlorophyll from plants. So it's super, super, super green. It's beautiful color green. And this special ingredient helps with redness, hyperpigmentation, and evening out skin tone and texture. I really love it. And you can only find Floralux in BioClarity. It's not in any other skincare brands. So check it out. I, again, I really like this company. I think you guys will like them too. All of their products are vegan, cruelty-free, non-toxin, paraben-free, sulfate-free, artificial, fragrance-free, and risk-free because they give you a 100% money-back guarantee. So you might as well just try them. I love them. If you want to get 
more radiant skin or if you just want to try these products go to bioclarity.com and i really do think it will improve your skin because i wouldn't tell you guys about a product unless i didn't love it and i really love this product so you can get 15 percent off everything on their website that's an incredible deal use my code let it out at checkout that's bioclarity.com to get 15 percent off everything on their website when you use my code let it out at checkout thanks bioclarity Thank you so much. Get all of Emily's books, get into her, go down a rabbit hole. And we love you. Thanks for listening.